Um, if you've been with us for a while now and seen the, the way that we've looked at some of these words, uh, they're usually grouped together. We've talked about some words that deal with salvation, such as believing, repenting, confessing, and baptism. Uh, we've talked about words that deal with, with heaven and family and different things. We're in a section uh, that is entitled Life's Challenges. And so it's been a while now, uh, but we've talked about worry uh, several weeks ago, and you see some of the other words that are listed on the screen here uh, that we'll talk about in the coming months, God be willing, but things that we feel, uh, challenges that we face. As we look at that list and we think about things, uh, I think with worry a couple of weeks ago when we had that lesson, I began by saying, you know, it's interesting that we talk about worry, but we really don't need to be told how to worry because that's something that we do very well sometimes as humans is we worry about things. Well, some of these same things are true. We feel guilt, we feel grief, and we feel shame sometimes, but it's going to be encouraging for us hopefully to work through this section. Of course, we space them out about once a month, so sometimes it's a while before we get back to it, uh, but hopefully it is encouraging for you. Again, the, we, the word for this week or for this month, because it was originally a weekly study, is suffering. I want to say thank you for Charles for not beating me to the joke that no, listening to this lesson is not supposed to be an example of suffering. I figured he'd beat me to that while he was up here. Incidentally, he does have good color. We did not match our ties uh, this morning. I don't think this is the exact same orange, but I was looking at him as he was leading this morning and realized we, we planned our outfits together here. But uh, I figured he would say that that's what this is. This is an example in suffering. Uh, but no, we're going to talk a little bit, some examples from the Bible, and I do think there's something uh, that you um, can take from this, especially as we look at an example from David here in just a few moments. Um, this is a study that is done by different preachers. The authors of this book really sent out a request to over 100 preachers and said, will you do a week's worth of devotional topics on worry? Will you do a week's worth of topics on suffering? Will you do a word study on worry? You know, and all these different words. So this one for this week was done by Brother Dan Winkler, which we reference Dan's work a lot. We love Dan and, and his work in things. But I thought it was interesting in his collection of thoughts that he put forth some quotes and they're not from him necessarily, but I don't have the original person that several of these are from, but I thought it would be something to sort of get our minds going to think about suffering. This first one says, as we think about suffering, that rough paths often lead to desirable destinations. And he goes on to say, be grateful for the bad in life and the good that it can bring. I don't know if I've mentioned it from the pulpit in a while, but James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 are, have, were some of my, one of my favorite passages growing up, some of my favorite verses. My brethren, count it all joy when you go through various trials. And when I mention that in the lesson, I usually remind us that, no, we don't jump up and down and say, yes, thank you that I'm suffering, but that is the mindset that God puts forth for us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit through James's writing that we should be happy when we go through various trials because those things can lead us to better situations sometimes. Sometimes those roads are short and you go through a period of a week or maybe a month of suffering and then you come out better on the other side. Some of you know situations where maybe it feels like it takes years. And I understand that can sometimes cause us to lose hope, to be discouraged, but rough paths often lead to desirable destinations. Number two, I thought this was a good one. Tears are safety valves that protect the heart when too much pressure is laid on it. 
Again, in Dan's uh, article here, he doesn't go through and, and give the original quotes for these. I wish I had that, but I thought that was a pretty good way of talking about the way that we sometimes feel when we go through a period of suffering. The psalmist would say in Psalm 56 in verse number 8, essentially to, to paraphrase, that God, <coughs> excuse me, God is alert to each one of the tears we shed. You know, we commonly think of the New Testament passage where we talk about God knowing the number of hairs on our head. But when we think about him even understanding every tear that we cry, that helps us when we suffer. And we, we feel sometimes like our heart can't take any more. And we feel sometimes as if we are uh, going to be drowned in our sorrows and in our tears. But God certainly knows our suffering and he understands that. I have, there's two more to share. This next one I had to put in there, and I have to share with you that, that Brother Dan in his notes said, you probably don't want to use this one, but this was something that always encouraged me. He said that, and this is one that some of you will recognize from someone that's sitting back there in the sound booth right now, but hang in there like a hare in a biscuit. And he said, you may not want to use that, but if you ever heard Travis say that, he says it often sometimes when you ask him how he's doing, that's the way we feel when we're going through suffering. And I couldn't help but use it when Dan said, you may not want to use this in your sermon. And I well, if Travis uses it all the time, then I think I can use it. Uh, but that's what we feel going through the struggles of our suffering. And then finally, life by the yard is hard, but anything is a cinch, inch by inch. For a while, I had a, a backdrop on a computer that had a, a bite out of an elephant. You remember that, right? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, inch by inch. We can make it through anything sometimes when we go just a little bit out of a time, when we live it a day at a time, when we determine that we're going to make the best of whatever situation we're in. All of these things encourage us in our suffering. As I mentioned, that backdrop that I had, which again was kind of just a play on that idea of, of taking the bite one at a time, you know, we could go through and spend our entire, the rest of our time here together looking at quotes. Right? We'd go to the bookstore and find books with all kinds of quotes to help us in difficult situations. But what does the Bible say? What does God have to say to help us when we suffer? Let's think about a few of those things then this afternoon. This is, of course, supposed to be, is supposed to be a word study. So let's talk about a few of the words that are used there. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word that's used in the Old Testament quite often is at Sabbath. At Sabbath is the word that is used to discuss the idea of sorrow. Now, Brother Dan, of course, is a great uh, study, studier of the language, and he'll oftentimes in his lessons use the original Greek words or things. And so he lists several, and I didn't want to take the time to really bog down and go through all of them. But the Hebrew word at Sabbath that's used, specifically in Job chapter 9 and verse 28, Job says, I am afraid of all my sufferings. I know that you will not hold me innocent. And of course, this is early in the book of Job, but as Job has suffered so many things and he is going to have these friends, uh, so-called friends who come and, and try to help him, as you know the story of Job, as he has this back and forth with God uh, and for just a little bit. He makes mention of this here. I am afraid of all my sufferings. And sorrow is the word that sometimes goes along in the Old Testament with this idea of, of suffering. Now, the Old Testament also, and the New Testament even as well, goes through the, the external things that cause us suffering or, or things. Uh, there's a mention of grief from loss. 
thirst, hunger, punishment. All of those things are uh, things that stimulate in us this idea of suffering. And so uh, that's the Hebrew, Old Testament Hebrew word that is used. In the New Testament, when it comes to the Greek, uh, there is a word here, pasco, uh, that is to experience something. Now, interestingly enough, when you do the word study, it really means to experience something, and it could be good or bad. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we've mentioned this lately in some Bible classes we've had, but 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the body, the way that the body should work together, the way the church should function together. And you remember the important, important uh, words in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 26. And if one member suffers, that's this Greek word here, suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And so this word kind of deals with experience something just simply enough but it did originally kind of lend itself to the idea of suffering something bad. Again, I don't have to spend a lot of time helping you understand or trying to understand the suffering we go through. We know that there are varying levels. You know, someone says, well, uh, you know, my suffering is great. And you ask them, you know, what, what the trouble is. And they said, well, you know, I, I didn't have any dessert at the end of my meal today. You know, and we say, well, wait a minute. That's not really suffering. You know, that, that, that's different than somebody says, oh, well, I, I have lost a loved one. You know, my spouse passed away or I'm dealing with some kind of sickness or some kind of job loss. We know that suffering can come in different forms, even if we would say something as trivial as, you know, not getting dessert is not really suffering. But we, we do understand when things don't go our way. When we face trials, when we face different struggles. And so I think it's interesting that when we go through the Bible and we go through the New Testament, the word suffering appears 90 times in the Bible and 78 times in the New Testament alone. What can we take from that? Well, we can take from it that it's definitely a subject that the Holy Spirit wants us to consider and to understand. I appreciate Charles leading farther along. I'd ask him about leading that. It was a suggestion from the material because even as we were singing it together, I thought, you know, that's one of those songs that just about everybody knows, right? Even folks from different denominations, they've heard that song. It's been performed before by country artists or, you know, so-called gospel artists or people that have always sung that. People know the song farther along. And the reason is because we connect with that. Tempted and tried. Farther along, we'll understand why. It means something to us when we're facing struggles and trials to, to really connect with the lyrics of that song. And I appreciate Charles leading it. But we think that this is something that we need to know about and that we need to learn how to deal with the trials of life. And so what we want to do in the time we have left here is go through a few passages to help us think in particular about what the Bible has to say about it. Now notice here that there are 78 times in the New Testament that it's mentioned, but I would like for us to take a look at a couple of examples from the Old Testament. First of all, if you have your Bible, go to Psalm 13. Psalm 13. We're going to look at three words here. And Brother Winkler in his notes said that these three words really are how the, the Psalms could be summed up. 
If you kind of go psalm by psalm and you think, well, what's the theme? You know, what can we say is the theme of many of the psalms that the psalmist is trying to get us to understand? Well, we see that here in Psalm 13. And if you turn there and notice, it's only six verses long. And Brother Dan in his notes said he challenged, of course, the readers of this to read the psalm five times. Read it five times and then tell me what you think or see if you notice these things. Obviously, we won't do that here in this moment. But if we were to really examine it, let's begin, first of all, by noticing verses one and two and notice that it begins with problems. The first part we might say is problems. David is suffering and his suffering alerts us to what we might experience when we suffer. Notice verses one and two. How long, O Lord? I want to ask you to show your hands. Have you ever prayed that before? Have you ever prayed that? You probably heard it maybe in a song that we sing or maybe from the preacher or maybe you've read it. But it sticks in our memory, so when we suffer, maybe that's the first thing on the tip of your tongue. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? We might wonder, just as David does here, if our problems will ever go away. Not only will we wonder sometimes if our problems will ever go away, sometimes we might think that God doesn't care and he's keeping his distance, right? We know that the scriptures say that God's ear is not too heavy that he cannot hear, but when day after day after day after day of problems come, we sometimes feel as if nobody is out there listening and God doesn't care. We might re repeatedly, and you can hear it here, right? Maybe not when you prayed it, but you can hear it when you read David's words. You can hear the pity party. And we might repeatedly throw a pity party for ourselves. And even as the end of verse number two says, we might even feel abused by life. How long will my enemy be exalted over me? The question is, do you have problems? This is the theme of many of the Psalms. And the answer, of course, is a resounding yes, right? We all do. We might go through great periods. We might go through some problems, but we've got family to help us. But we certainly face problems. So problems, that's the first part. Number two, pray. Pray. We might say the second part is verses three, four, and I drew a line in my Bible after the word mercy in verse number five. You could kind of split verse 5 and half, but the second part is 3, 4, and we sometimes call it 5a, or the first part of 5. Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him, lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved, but I have trusted in your mercy. The question is, do you have problems the answer is pray. Pray. You know, I think that uh, I mentioned before that sometimes preachers say, if you don't get anything else, right, you don't get anything else out of this lesson. And I understand, you know, in some cases here, we, we won't remember the Hebrew and Greek words, you know, tomorrow, much less months or years down the road. But I think this was something that really stuck out to me from this lesson was the theme of these psalms and many of the psalms. Problems, yes, then pray. 
David's reaction to his suffering teaches us what to do when we suffer. We need to ask God to look at us, to listen to us, and to help us. And maybe we should focus on God's feelings for us. And that's why I divided verse 5 in half, if you notice there. Because when we do, we focus on God's feelings for us, his mercy, more than our own feelings, which is our misery. And that's sometimes what we feel. We need to focus on his mercy instead of our own misery. I know it's common for parents, and look, we do it at our house sometimes too, but it, it's common for parents and other people to say, well, think about someone else in a third world country who's really suffering. You know, somebody's got it worse than you. Well, guess what? You don't even have to go to the third world country. You know that. There is somebody who probably has it worse than us most of the time. You know, I can't imagine some of the trauma and trouble that people go through. Someone who suffers a lot of loss at one time, maybe both their parents close together or, or a sickness in their spouse or whatever. It's, it's suffering. I'm not here to tell you it doesn't matter. I'm not here to tell you you should ignore it and try to bury it and not think about it. I'm just saying that, yes, when we focus on our own misery and our own sufferings, we can really get bogged down. And instead, we should think about God's mercy. We should think about how we should go to him. Maybe you're like me and there's times in your life where you wish that God was physically right beside you, right? We, we feel at a distance because we are not able to see God in the same way as, uh, you know, some might when we think about like Moses in the burning bush or that kind of idea of almost seeing quote unquote God in that way. We can't put our hand on him or our arm around him and feel him in the same way. And it causes us to feel that distance. But we should pray to him, focus on his mercy, and I think that we will find ourselves improved. It may not take it away. You know, praying to God's not going to make some kind of miraculous thing happen maybe in just the moment. But it will alleviate, hopefully, some of the suffering that we feel. Maybe some of the emotional strain or the mental strain that we feel. And so here's the third thing then. As we go through the Psalms... The first part is, do you have problems? Well, of course. Then you should pray. But as Brother Dan says here in, you, in his notes, when you pray about your problems, get ready to be amazed and praise. Praise God for his help. We divided verse number 5 in half because verse 5, part B, and verse 6 can kind of go together. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord. Because he has dealt bountifully with me. David's worship here amidst his suffering should inspire us to sing as well when we suffer. Like David, we should look ahead with the anticipation of God making things better for us. Not only should we look ahead with anticipation, but we should look up. We should look up with appreciation for what God has already done for us. Not only in the past, but maybe in that moment. So we should look ahead in anticipation, we should look up with appreciation, and we should look back with conviction, believing that God's care will continue with us. He has dealt bountifully with me. You've heard me mention before that in the Old Testament, as we think about what the children of Israel suffered, uh, what they went through and the, their struggles in turning their back on God, it always is amazing to me how often that occurs right after good things. You know, they cross 
the water, or they cross on dry ground, I guess is a better way to say that, excuse me, but they cross on dry ground, get across to the other side of the water, and they grumble, and they complain. Well, what are they doing? Well, they're definitely not looking ahead. They're definitely not looking up, and they're not looking back. They're not looking at all, except for they're looking inward. They're looking at themselves, their own misery. Look at the troubles that are laid upon me. When we think about our suffering, it's true. We go through it, and we go through different amounts, sometimes at different times in our life. We all have. We've all found ourselves in what the Bible calls a time of need. And even some of us have been forced to our knees, or as we sometimes even say, almost in a fetal position, in sorrow, in tears, and misery. But we're not the first. Do you remember David's words in Psalm 6 and verse number 6? You may not be far away if you're still there in Psalm 13. Psalm 6 and verse 6. I am weary with my groaning. All night I make my bed swim. I drench my couch with my tears. That's how David felt in his sorrow. That's how David felt in his loss. And more than likely, most of you have said, I have felt in that moment that kind of way. Do you have problems? Well, pray. But also remember to be ready to praise and give thanks to God. One more passage here. See if you can find in your Bible Lamentations. Lamentations in the Old Testament there. Tucked away. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3. We won't look at the entire section, but Lamentations chapter 3 Verses 46 through 66, through the end of the chapter. Lamentations 3, 46 through 66. The book of Lamentations, of course, is like a funeral speech, right? It's like a funeral speech for Jerusalem and Judah. And the fact that it's called Lamentation makes it all the more appropriate for us to look at for just a moment in this study. So let's look more carefully here and realize, after reading it several times, what Jeremiah is feeling. Notice in verses 46 and verse 52 and verse 53, the mistreatment that he experiences. His enemies harassed him. They haunted him. They hunted him down and they hurled stones at him. He, he can't get away from them. He can't get away from the struggles. We may not have people who are literally chasing us with stones or hunting us down. But that is the way Jeremiah feels about this, these experiences, this mistreatment he's facing. We sometimes do the same thing. Look at how it makes him feel. Notice in verse 47 and 57, fear. Notice in verses 48 through 51, tears. He has fear and it's causing him to shed tears because of this mistreatment. But then finally, notice what he does about it. And here's where we get back to our action, what we need to do. Lamentations 3, 46 through 66, Jeremiah's action was to reach for God, to reach for God. He prays about these things. He handles his feelings in such a way that he says to God, do not hide your ear from my sign. I am wrong. Judge my case. You have heard my enemies Pursue them and destroy them. When we've been hurt, well, it, it hurts. It makes us feel hurt. And we want God to do something about it. 
While we should not be crying out for vengeance ourselves, we should understand that we should want God's help. God's help to help us through these struggles and through these sufferings and through this time of heartache and sorrow. We are tempted and tried. We face various struggles. We have problems, but we need to reach out for God. Remembering first and foremost what he can do. Why should we reach for him first? Because we know what he's done. What he's done for people all throughout time and the promises that he's made to us, how he can help us. We are not alone. We are not the first. But we know now where we can turn to. The song that we're about to sing in just a moment is, Where Could I Go? Where Could I Go? Have you ever felt that way in your struggles, in your suffering? I like this song. I don't remember, maybe in college at Free Hardeman that I remember really, it kind of caught my attention. I had sung it before, but it really becoming one of my favorites because of that emotion, that feeling of saying, where could I go? Have you ever been in the middle of a moment and kind of had that, that moment where you shrug your shoulders and you just say, well, what else can I do? You know, I can't, I can't remove the suffering. I can't take it away. But where could I go but to the Lord? He's the one that can provide the peace that passes all understanding. He is the one that can provide us the help that we need. We often wish that it was just a snap of the, the fingers and a miracle. And it may not be that. But there is no other place. There is no other place. And I always think about in connection with that. There is no better place to go first to the Lord, but secondly to his people. That's how he's decided to provide for us. It's not a snap of the fingers miracle, but he puts people in our lives, the church in our path here in such a way that if we are connected with it, as we've been talking about the church on Wednesday nights, then we have the help that we need. We are able to turn to people. We are not alone. I, I hate to think about folks in the world who maybe their family have turned their back on them or, you know, folks who are in some kind of homeless type situation where they feel like they have no family to go to. I struggle with that because I don't feel that same way because I know the family that I have. And it's not just physical family, it's the family of God. God has given us not only his words of comfort in times of suffering, but also his people where we can turn to. And how wonderful and wonderful and great it is to think about that when we suffer. As we conclude this lesson, and we're about to sing this song, Where Could I Go But To The Lord? There's no other name in which there is salvation but the name of Jesus. If you're here this afternoon and you need salvation, salvation from your sins, we sing to encourage you that you would come to know Jesus. Put him on in baptism, having your sins washed away so that you can be added to the church. Or maybe you feel in such a way as if you are struggling and there is no other place to go. We assemble here and we extend the invitation at the end of the lesson to, to sing something like this and realize that God is there to help and he's provided his family to help as well. Although certainly when we extend the invitation, if you are a child of God and you need forgiveness of sin, that's not something we can do, although we would love and support you through that. You can come to him, confess your sin, repent, and pray, and he is faithful and just to do that. You have a chance now to make your life right with God, even now as we stand together and as we sing.